freedom 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 over fame freedom over cycle stays the same welcome first of all welcome this is unsolicited perspectives i am your host bruce anthony thank you for listening and watching wherever you get your podcast and video podcasts subscribe share like comment and rate us you can find us on instagram youtube and twitch at unsolicited underscore perspectives on twitter and tiktok at unsolicited underscore per watch us live every thursday night 7 30 p.m eastern on youtube and twitch our audience continues to grow with each and every episode and i humbly thank you on today's episode it'll be part two Exploring Jewish identity in America. I speak with both I.L. Sharon and Stephen Frecker. We get a little bit more in-depth about anti-Semitism in America. But first things first. And we're here for part two of Exploring Jewish Identity in America. I'm here with I.L. Sharon and Stephen Frecker, not Preaker, uh, that is mis- misspelled uh, in his title in the first video. Once again, I apologize about that. I will clean it up eventually, just to let you know, Stephen. It will be clean. That's okay. We we think when my uh, when my Jewish ancestors immigrated to the United States, they were they also had to change their name as well. So it wouldn't. It's not the first time, but it, it's all right. Yeah, I don't want that to be the reputation. I don't, you know, I don't want that to be. Yeah, you know, I was on Bruce's show, Unsolicited Perspectives, and he not changed my all. name just like when my people came to this country. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking with you. It's all good, man. Well, I appreciate that. So once again, I appreciate you guys coming and doing part two. It's uh really interesting feedback that I got back from that episode. And I, I kind of want to go in a different direction than we did in that in that first interview where we talked about the background uh, and your family and traditions and things of that nature and get more into what it's like as far as you dealing with American society. And more specifically, I know, I.L., we've spoken before about anti-Semitic tropes, and you gave me some examples, and and I was like, I didn't even realize that that was offensive. Uh, some stuff are obvious, right? But some stuff isn't so obvious. So both for Stephen and I.L., I.L., I know you have, you said there's a, a lot. So let me start with Stephen. Stephen, what are some anti-Semitic tropes that that maybe you haven't had to deal with or you have had to deal with here in America? Yeah, so I think uh, most of them deal with with money. Um, I think that one of the most common ones that we've heard throughout the ages is that Jews control all the money in the world and you know, what it could be based on is, I mean, Jewish people were the bankers of Europe, um, which, you know, people interpret different ways. But, um, you know, I think that these tropes are still very widely held, something like that. And it doesn't help when you have someone like Bernie Madoff, for example, Hmm. that is that was in charge of billions and billions of dollars um 
that did something terrible. And then that just gives more fuel to the fire of all of the, the criticisms and, and tropes, even though that's, that's one person that did something bad. Um, you know, something that I've heard of that I think many people don't realize that they're saying or realize what it means when they say it. I'll give you an example. A few years ago, um, my wife and I were at a bar and uh, we were we were sitting next to this couple and, you know, me, I'm social. I get to talking with people and uh, I don't even know how we got on the topic, but we got on the topic, something stupid like hiring, you know, landscapers or, or something like that. And this guy that I was talking about said, oh, I have this real great landscaper. And the best thing about him, he doesn't try and Jew you down on the price. And, you know, I, I just had to be like, wait, wait what did he just say that? Did I just hear what I thought I heard? And, um, you know, I think it's that type of stuff that has become just part of the lingo, whether people realize what they're saying is offensive or whether they just think that that's common terminology that one would say, so I think, you know, when you're talking about tropes like that, um, not only are they overt, they're, they're also very much a part of just, um, you know, it, I hate to say it, but almost everyday conversation nowadays. Hmm. You were a better man than me. I would have punched him dead in the face in the bar. Probably would have went to jail that night. But well, you know, I, I want to give IL time to talk to, but it's one of those things and maybe we can get back to it later. But, you know, a few weeks ago, we were talking about um, ignorance mm -hmm. and I think you can you can forgive people for being ignorant if it's something they truly don't know about. But strike one, you right. know, then learn the facts and, and be a better person. But we can address that that later. Okay. I.O.? Yeah, I only heard that expression once in my life. I, I've only heard someone say that once. So hmm. uh, I don't I don't think it's a – well, maybe in certain circles it's a common expression, but I, I have not heard it uh, used often. Um, I, I was going to say – quick question, and, and I hope I don't put my foot in my mouth. Do you think that maybe you haven't heard that often uh, – God, I hope I don't put my foot in my mouth. So as far certain people have certain physical characteristics, Stephen, I guess from a, a, a traditional standpoint, I, you can't really tell that you're Jewish. But I he, he doesn't look like the stereotype. Exactly. I, I, and once again, I'm not trying to be offensive, but he doesn't look like the, the stereotype of a Jewish person, whereas I.L., you you favor that more. Do you think that when people see you, they know you're you're Jewish? So to not say things offensive around you, because like everybody knows I'm black because I'm black. So when growing up, things were said about me behind my back or in closed doors, not to my face because they didn't necessarily want that confrontation. So do you think that maybe that has something to do with it, that, that you haven't experienced something like that because people could tell that you're Jewish, like they could tell that I'm black, not quite the same thing, but 
Do you understand what I mean? And one, was I being offensive right there answering asking that question? Did I say it improperly? Did it come off as offensive as offensive? And two, is it appropriate to answer that question? I don't know. I, I think uh, maybe it's because I mean my parents my parents college grads, the grad school grads, they both went to grad school and uh we lived in uh upper middle class neighborhoods. So I'm guessing this is an educated uh segment of society and people don't talk that that way in, in educated segment of society. I'm thinking maybe in other other neighborhoods, which I really wasn't really exposed to, people do talk that way. You know, uh, I don't know what to say. All I can say is I wasn't exposed to that sort of that sort of uh, vocabulary when I was growing up. But also, you know, I grew up uh, well. Elementary school, not so much, but high school, there were a lot of uh, there's a large Jewish population, so obviously they're not going to be using <laughs> these kind of expressions. Okay, so you grew up around a lot of Jewish people, but I'm that's interesting when we're talking about tropes and stereotypes that you equate educated with being more aware, more enlightened, and not as educated or not as uh, economically wealthy being less having less class that they would say something like that wouldn't that almost be not quite the same thing but you're portraying people you're looking at certain people are giving them this idea of this is what they are when in essence for me just speaking as a black man some of the most in the in your face situations that I've experienced are from lower socioeconomic backgrounds, but I've also experienced it from higher socioeconomic backgrounds. Some of the some of the most overt things have been by the most educated people. We were talking about that on the last podcast. I mean, look at Congress. Look at our political system. Whether many of these people are right and wrong in their views, I mean, I think that I would think that the majority of them are educated from a, a book smart perspective. But um, I think well, some look, of the most educated people are some of the most ignorant. One of our family friends when I was in high school, um, he was a Jewish guy, by the way, he his his business was he he had uh, he had a shop at the flea market. Uh, there was a flea market. This was in central New Jersey, and I forgot what it was he sold. Maybe it was used clothes, or I don't know what it was. But uh, so that was where he worked, and he is a daily part of his business he would be you know negotiating with people on prices for the stuff that he was selling so for him this was a um you know a daily activity that he actually actively had to negotiate over the price of the stuff that he was selling so you know my parents didn't buy stuff at flea markets you know this was not there was no need to they could go to sears or, or macy's or 
Kmart or whatever and buy stuff at the store and, and not have to argue with anybody over what's the price of something. So um, obviously, if you're in an environment where you never have to negotiate for on the price of anything, you're not going to be using these sorts of expressions, right? So, and and that's interesting because this idea that that Jewish people are always negotiating or or trying to drive either up or down the price. Uh, I'm black. Let me tell you something. We walk in a store, we see a price, and we're still saying, hey, uh, is that the price price or is that the price? Because So everybody's looking to negotiate up or down. Or, Listen, so I, I, I love to negotiate, and it's not because I'm Jewish. I'm just cheap. Say less. I'm the exact same way. So <laughs> I know you guys wouldn't understand the history, and I would probably need to get a scholar on on here to, to talk about that. But that's interesting that that label got put on a Jewish people. And Bernie Madoff, one, I didn't even realize that he was Jewish. I didn't watch the Netflix uh, documentary yet, but I didn't even realize he was Jewish. I didn't even put those things together. He's just, to me, I don't, even though now I know that he's Jewish, I still look at it as he was a rich person that's trying to get over. Wealthy people do that type of stuff all the time, whether they're Jewish, black, White. Well, that's that's true. The way you look at it, that's the way that it it should be looked at. But the people that want to make an issue out of it, that are going to be looking to criticize, uh, you know, the religious aspect or or advance that that stereotype, it's very easy for them to do that. Well, Kyle, you you literally did not answer my question when I said, "Was the question that I asked about the physical." stereotypes offensive look i um and well obviously there is a stereotype and obviously it's not accurate because there are lots of people who look different ways right so uh you know there there are ethiopian jews you know or black jews there are um jews from places like iraq and morocco and yemen and iran and uh they're actually the majority of, of the population in Israel now. So, um, you literally still did not answer my question. <laughs> the question specifically was, did I offend you when I, no, asked I'm not offended. No. Okay. No. Steven, was it the way I phrased it? Could I have done a better job? Is there a way for me to, no, there is no way. I've already answered the question in my head because I, because I don't like when people come up to me and like, so what are you? I'm black, black and black, black. And that's it. I'm black. So, and, and like people walk up to my mom and my sister all the time and they're like, so what are you? So I guess that would be offensive. Somebody walked up to you and was like, you're Jewish, right? Well, and you know, it's an interesting point that you bring up. What are you? Personally, I wouldn't have even thought if someone said, what are you? I would have been like, American. Do you mean my background? I wouldn't even equate that they're even asking about, are you Jewish? And I know that was one of the, um, one of the topics that we've talked about is, is, is Judaism just a religion? Is it, um, you know, more of a culture? Is it more of an ethnicity? Um, I think it's probably all of the above, but to, to just like any 
any other um, uh, religion. I think it's all of the above. Mm -hmm. But I think that it, it may be more confused than other religions. So maybe I'll take that back a little bit. I, I don't know that you would say um, you could just tell someone's Catholic or yeah, no, yeah. Presbyterian. No, well, unless they have you know, a giant cross. Well, right? sure. Like if they say have a symbol that recognizes it, but by looking at them, no. By looking at someone. But I think that to to your your question about can you tell if someone's Jewish, I think you can presume you're making an assumption based off of some characteristics. So, Il, if we can use you as an example, you also have a very heavy northeastern, I would even say New York-ish accent. So I think that having an accent, um, maybe like a, a Brooklyn or, or or accent like that, also kind of portrays uh, some people. Certainly, with um, uh, uh, you know maybe some physical characteristics as well. But I think that all plays into. Um, you know, what people may perceive of other people. Hmm. Hmm. If that makes sense. There's a, there's a history, there's a history there. And there was a Supreme court justice who said that, that sometimes a book, a book of logic can be summarized as a, can be written instead of as a single page of history. And and the single page of history will explain the situation better than the book of logic will. So um, to understand all of these arguments, who's a Jew, what's a Jew, you you have to look at the history of the of the Jewish people, um, starting you know starting from the biblical times and then end you know with the destruction of the Second Temple and the exile and how the Jews ended up scattered um, around the Mediterranean both in the, what ended up later as the Arab countries and then also in Christian Europe, um, and then how the Jews were treated in Europe during the Middle Ages and then in early modernity, uh, and then you know uh, the Holocaust, and then now the post-war era. So you know, originally, Jews were an eth- an eth- were a nation. They had a nation state. Uh, in what is modern day Israel, uh, and that's that's what's discussed in the Bible. Uh, there was a, there was a first temple which was destroyed, and and uh, some of them were were exiled, and the ones who remained they had their country was called Judea, and then Judea was conquered, uh, and then uh, by first by uh, Alexander the Great, uh, and then later by the Romans. And then there was a destruction of the second temple, and then they were sent into exile. And uh, they lived in their communities, you know, from then until until modern era. And in 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 Europe, especially during the Middle Ages, there were all of these laws putting them into ghettos, forcing them uh, to live in these in these uh, neighborhoods, and not giving them any particular choice. They couldn't. It's not like today where, where you can choose what neighborhood you want to live in or what city you want to live in. And uh, there, you know, everything, 
the whole society was much more structured uh, during the Middle Ages. You had the different social classes and even even the merchants, there were guilds and you had to be accepted into a guild in order to be a merchant uh, in a certain class. So, um, so basically what you're saying is there's a, a playbook of a way to suppress people because everything that you describe sounds eerily familiar. Yeah, I mean, this is nothing. This is nothing new. This is, we're talking Middle Ages, so we're talking what a thousand years ago. So uh, we're going to get into it later. But what you just ran through, and and once again, I grew up in a church. A lot of this stuff I kind of know, but that, a lot of that history, like you just don't know, and it's that history. So it then becomes a situation when we get into the 1930s and the rise of Hitler and the Nazi party. And they identify Jewish people, not by, not solely by religion, right? It wasn't something about religion. It was more of, they categorized them as an ethnicity or as a race, right? Well, they they tapped into these very old, um, Tradition. I mean, the Catholic Church had a, uh, you know, up until the Vatican II conference, which was uh, in the 1960s. Would you read Wikipedia before we got started today? You're giving me all the history. <laughs> no, this is, st- I mean, you know, just like you've read about black history, I've read about uh, Jewish history. I grew Touché. up with this stuff. Touché. Um, and uh, so before Vatican II, the, Jew, the 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 Catholic Church said would say in their sermons, you know, that the Jews killed Jesus and the Jews need to be converted, or otherwise they're going to hell. And uh, all of these uh, things, Martin Luther said, all really, uh, really blood curdling sort of things. Um, You're talking about Martin Luther, not Martin Luther the King. Let's that's let's right. Make that, the, let's the, make that clear. Uh, the, the, Steven, <laughs> you, you look like you wanted to, to chime in. So I want to give you a chance to to respond to a couple of things that IL and I were saying. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I think that um, one of the things that IL just said, you know, you, you, you've read about black history, you've read about Jewish history. One of the, the famous, I guess, poems or sayings about the Holocaust, and I'm I'm going to uh, really paraphrase this because I don't know what it is, but like first they came for so-and-so, then they came for so-and-so, and then they came for me and there was nobody left to speak up for me. You know, we see this stuff happening in modern times too. And it's, you may not realize what's going on. It's subtle to a certain degree in how it's being characterized. But when I all said, well, you read about black history, you ain't reading about black history in Florida anymore. Um, it's only a matter of time before, I mean, me riled up today. Uh, yeah, well, no, but I mean, there's so many that, parallels. That yeah. There's so many parallels, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we said it on the last podcast is anti-Semitism racism. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's all different forms and how you characterize things, but you, you know, not that not that erasing black history is is anything new either. But this is, um, you know, just a new step in something. So 
what's next? You know, what trope is next? Is it going to be, my gosh, I, I would hope that it's not something as egregious as not even teaching about the Holocaust, but, you know, I don't even recall, you know, when we learned, we learned about the Holocaust, of course, Mm -hmm. but you don't dig into it. You don't go into, um, uh, you know, why it really happened, how it happened, unless you have a specialized course on it. Well, I'll tell you what they really don't talk about when, because um, you tend to learn about the Holocaust when you learn about World War II, right? Like, right. It's wrapped up in it's that. It's wrapped up in, in, in that history lesson. Yeah. What they do not tell you is the fact that America saw all these things happening and did not intervene. We're, 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 That's right. We're labeled as the great savior to end the world war that, that it was because of us entering that, that we were able to win the world war. Uh, and that's partly true. Like they needed our might, but we waited and waited and waited. And the only reason why we joined is because we were attacked, but that's something that I kind of want to get into in the second segment, as we talk about the Holocaust, how we got involved in it, what was I know, I.L., you can tell me a little bit about the history of, of the Jewish reaction during the rise of the Nazi party, the start of the Holocaust, and uh, the influences that, that Jewish people had on the presidency, but the hesitancy to say something or do something. And then something that I didn't even know was a thing, but absolutely should be a thing, was Holocaust Memorial Day or mem- Remembrance Day. What is this exact title? Uh, But that's everything I want to get into in the second segment. So we're back. And I think it's really important because, Stephen, you said something uh, that was really poignant that with today's restriction but let's just go with the stop woke act right let's just let's just go down to florida and the restriction of uh african-american history what they want to teach what they don't want to teach and and going back to your point of you take this away from certain people you take this away from certain people until finally there's nobody left for that last person uh to, to 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 defend them and that makes me nervous, not only for me as a black man, but also for history. And it's not just we've whitewashed Native American history in this country. We don't know anything, really. Nothing is taught before Columbus didn't land on any of the Americas, but before Columbus discovered the new world. Um, so you see that that's been stripped beyond our lifetime. Right. That was before us. We see African-American history has been constantly stripped Uh, Since the rise of the, since the formations of the Daughters of the Confederacy in 1920, right? So African-American history has been stripped. Now we have Holocaust deniers. And I feel like as we are stripping away, stripped away the Native Americans' history, stripping away African-American histories, like Jewish history is is next. And it's fearful that the Holocaust will not 
be taught because we like we said earlier it's already wrapped up into world war history it doesn't even get its own separate segment yeah. in in any um curriculum it is wrapped up in world war ii so tell me a little bit about how you feel about that and a little bit about the history of our involvement in world war ii for for me first yes or, yeah yeah, I mean, how do we feel about the the lack of in-depth teaching or the the lack of stories? I mean, it's 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 sad. It's sad and it's frightening because I think that again, the the less that you talk about it, even you know, I think that people's knowledge retention for the most part mine included, you know, if, if it's not something that they want to learn about, then it's in one ear and out the other. Um, and I'm, I'm a hundred percent guilty of that for sure. Um, but I think that whether you're talking about the Holocaust from a historical perspective, from a, how it happened from a political perspective, the issue of tropes played into that very much as well. And this is what I was going back to. Uh, what I had said um, at the the top of the the hour um, when I was talking about ignorance, I mean, by not talking about what is anti-Semitism, what is racism, what what is all of this, um, all of these negative feelings and stereotypes, you're you're allowing people to live ignorantly and speak ignorantly, and again. I'll allow a strike. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll allow two strikes. If you don't know what you're saying, you don't know what you're saying. And that's okay until you learn what the facts are. And then if you continue to peddle that nonsense, well, then then it's legitimately a problem. And I'll, I'll be real quick on an example. Uh, again, something, something stupid. I, you know, I was, uh, scrolling through Facebook and there was a, a post about one of my, my favorite kosher delis um, back on long Island. And I, I got excited about it and I, you know, started reading the comments and I was going to write, yeah, they're great. They're awesome. And the very first comment, the very first comment was from some guy saying, well, I went in there to get, to get a, a roast beef and, and cheese sandwich. And they wouldn't do it because they said they don't serve meat and cheese together. I just don't understand it. And, you know, someone else had said, no, you, you clearly don't. It's a kosher restaurant. They don't serve meat and cheese together. Well, they sell meat and they sell cheese. Well, just slap it onto a sandwich for me. No, that's not what they do. Well, they should do that for non-Jewish people. So there you have it in, in right? Just slapping you in the face. Like this guy wanted his meat and cheese slaps together. Like, he doesn't want to learn. He doesn't want to listen. He doesn't want to understand why. And he's reinforcing these nonsensical, anti-Semitic, disrespectful things about like, I mean, it, it, I'm not going to make any assumption about what his religion is, but let's just pretend that if, if he's a Christian and he celebrates Christmas, is it reasonable then to him if someone said, well, 
I want to go to this restaurant on Christmas and it's closed. Well, they should open it up because I don't celebrate Christmas. Is that reasonable? So, so I, it's, you know, I want to, so I tell the story and I can't remember if I told it when I was talking to you guys, or if I told it on the intro and the outro of our show where I coached at a, at a Jewish high school and I came in one day, I'm in college, I'm 21, 22 years old. I came in one day, finishing class, finishing work, going to practice. And I made probably a bologna and cheese sandwich because you broke in college. And I walk in and one of the players was like, oh, you really shouldn't eat that here. And I was like, why? It's not kosher. I didn't understand what kosher was. I still technically don't understand what kosher is. So that's one of the questions. Can you explain that and explain the importance of it? But I, I realized that it was important to him. And I said, say less, homie. I will not do this again. If I do something, I'll make sure that it's not even in the parking lot. I'm not going to disrespect uh, you, your religion, or your culture. So uh, I guess I'll start with Ayel, because Ayel, you are the uh, our resident Jewish Expert. historian. <laughs> uh, what is kosher and what is its significance? Uh, it's the dietary rules, what you're allowed to eat, what you're not allowed to eat. Uh, some of those rules are actually, they're in the Bible. Mm. Uh, I think in the book of Deuteronomy. Um, so you can, for example, you're, well, some of those rules came later. They're not, some of those rules are like meat and milk. That's not in the Bible, but what it says in the Bible is, uh, you cannot eat, uh, a calf in its mother's milk. And what over the years, the rabbis decided that they, in order to sort of make sure that that never happens, just say you can't have milk and meat in the same meal. And that way we'll know that that will never happen. And you don't need to worry. Anybody having milk, I mean, milk and meat in the same meal. What are you? What are you doing? Who wants to eat like milk for cereal? Cheeseburger. A cheeseburger would be milk and meat in the same meal. Okay. All right. So like a pepperoni pizza cheeseburger french fries and a milkshake like that's that's not even without the milkshake you still you st- just the cheeseburger itself or pepperoni pizza you can have the pizza or you can have the pepperoni but you can't have both at the same because you need milk to make cheese oh yeah. okay yeah no a shellfish too yeah. so really religious okay so like like my my grandparents it would have two sets of dishes milk dishes and the meat dishes and depending on what meal you would be eating they would use those take out those sets of dishes and now you know wealthy people will even have two sets of dishwashers (laughs) to make sure that i mean but that's we're going so they're they're going to the extreme you know the bible says the significance it it says it in the bible but yeah like what is the meat like what's the negative aspect of mixing the two that's what i'm trying to understand religious people will follow it because this is what this is what it says right i mean i've heard i've heard uh you know people give you know after the fact explanations they'll say oh well one is dairy one is me you'll have a uh there's like a chemical reaction where you got bases and you you have acids together because milk is a base from chemistry and there's acid in the in the meat and so they'll cancel one another out or or like there's iron but the milk will cancel out the iron, so your body won't get the iron from from the meat. I, you know, I've heard all sorts of. I guess. But in the Bible, it does in the Bible it just says, "Don't do this without any real." 
the Bible says don't eat a calf in its mother's milk, which is a very specific combination, right? It doesn't say you can't have it with some other cow's milk. But oh, they okay. decided to be – in order to make sure that we're not crossing this – violating this rule, you know, we'll make this the situation stricter, make the rule stricter, and that way um, there's no fear. Uh, we, we took a detour, but Stephen, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I mean, re- religion is all interpretation, Yep. right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's how you want to interpret things. That's why you have so many different kinds of sects for different religions. But there, there's a really, really good book that I that I read once. It's called Living Biblically, hmm. and it's written by a, um, I think he's he was a reporter for I think I want to say the New York Times, and he took on this. He he was Jewish. And he took on this challenge to live exactly like what the Old Testament commands you to live. Hmm. Um, And to show how all of this is open to interpretation and that like, well, are you – and again, I'm forgive me if I misspeak because I am not a biblical expert. Um, but there's something, Il, you might know, where the, the Old Testament calls for stoning people if they do something that we would consider maybe like a faux pas or, or something in everyday life. So is that something to be taken literally? So I think it's, it's an interesting uh, exercise in, in reading how, you know, should the Bible be taken literally? Uh, literally, should it, it, you know, is it open well, it, to interpretation? Not, it, I mean, in probably Jewish another tra- conversation for another day. But. Yeah, we're, we're, de- we're, we're detouring. We're detouring. I'll just make one, one sentence. I'll just say that in the Jewish tradition, after the destruction of the Second Temple, there already was a huge divergence because many of the commandments in the Bible are related to the Temple. And once the Jews the temple was destroyed and the Jews were dispersed, it was impo- physically impossible to fulfill those requirements. And so the rabbis had to come up with the substitute for what to do instead. So even, even the most Orthodox Jews don't take the Bible literally. They have tried to reinterpret it over the generations because some of the commandments are just, you know, literally impossible to fulfill. So yeah. that's, that's important. That was also the longest sentence <laughs> created to man, but, <laughs> but it was important. So thank you for sharing that. I.L., you gave me a history lesson. Um, when we spoke off air about the involvement of the Jewish population here in America during the rise of the Nazi party, the start of World War II, but before we actually entered it. Can you give a, a, a quick summary of what was going on during that time in the Jewish community? I know you weren't alive during that time, but being the, the history buff that you are, you can speak to it a little bit. Now, I, I, there's a show you told me about Eyes on the Prize, which is a Ken Burns uh, show on PBS. He did a show about the U.S. and the Holocaust, the lead up to the Holocaust and those specific years. And that show, I found out. Do you know the name of the show? It's called The U.S. and the Holocaust. Okay. And all of three of the episodes are on the PBS website. Oh, okay. So 
I have not seen the episode myself, but my relatives have seen it and they highly recommended it. They said it's very important to watch it. They also said don't try to watch all six hours at once. It's too depressing. So Okay. Yeah. Ken Burns is known for making long, important documentaries. But uh, can you give a little beat, a little brief summary of what was going on during the time? Well, you also need to understand that the the, the it was a gradual build up, the whole the Holocaust itself. It started out with uh you know, rules limiting where where the Jews could work, you know, kicking them out of universities. And the stage that we know where it ended up with murder on an industrial scale, that was that was years in the making. That that took a decade for 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 the Nazis to get to that point. So there was constantly a, a debate, you know, do we try to engage with them? Do we try to appease them? Because you know there was another, the, there was also the big fear of another huge war in Europe, uh, in between the wars, and many well-intentioned people wanted to avoid another huge war in Europe. Uh, so, uh, in the earlier years, there were there were um, many people in the Jewish community here in the U.S., especially after Roosevelt uh, got elected, they were. It, a big part of the Roosevelt coalition and they wanted to help Roosevelt as much as possible. And they, they didn't want to get into arguments with Roosevelt and they didn't want to make him look bad. And so uh, some of them did not push as aggressively as, as they could have um, in the early stages. But then again, the situation was bad, but it wasn't as bad as it got towards the end. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of hindsight, is 2020 sort of looking at this as well. Um, so, Stephen, was it yesterday or Friday? It was a Holocaust Remembrance or Memorial Day? Yeah. Uh, the only reason why I know about this is because as I was walking into the building, uh, the building I live, in a lobby, there's a television that has news running. And it said, a Holocaust Memorial Day, Remembrance Day. And I sat there and I looked at it and that's it. I didn't even realize that there was a day. Of course, there should be, especially nowadays with so many Holocaust deniers. But um, I didn't know there was a day. I, they don't really, it's not talked, it's not a holiday. You know, it's not on the calendar. It's not on, it's right. not on the Google calendar. It's not on my Apple calendar. So I didn't know anything about it. Like, did you know about it? How? When did you learn about it? Um, and what is the significance of that day? Obviously, it is to remember the Holocaust so we don't ever forget. But, like in your household, is it a is it a big important day? No, not not a holiday or anything like that. I mean, it's. I think there are so many remembrance days now. It, Candidly, they probably all all get lost in the shuffle a little bit. Um, so uh, you know, it's it's certainly not offensive that that people wouldn't know anything about it because again, if you're not paying attention to something like that, how how would you know about it? Right. Um, but I think that's the one of the points is is should it be emphasized um, 
more strongly? I mean, should it be on par? I mean, we, we know uh, when there is, um, you know, 9-11. I mean, nobody, nobody will ever forget that date, nor should we. I mean, that is a day that we need to remember. That is a day that we need to talk about and discuss what happened and how it happened and why it could never happen again. And I mean, I would, I would say that the, the Holocaust is, should be a, a similar uh, day as well. I mean, it, it's, it's not enough to just have a Remembrance Day when I think a great number of the population has nothing to remember. Mm. Um, who, who is, who is remembering, um, when the stories aren't being told anymore? Um, and I think that's the purpose of having a remembrance day is so it does give you that platform, but you know, I think that the spotlight just isn't there. Yeah. So as you were talking about that, and you, and you brought up 9-11. I can see the significance of 9-11 starting to fade the further and further we actually get from when it happened, right? Like there's a whole yeah. generation yeah, that are be. in college yeah. right now that weren't even alive when it happened. Like I'm sure there's a Remembrance Day for the attack on Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Don't have a yeah, clue. BJ Day, yeah. So those are important days that, that should be like Day. hammered home and should be celebrated more and the fact that I had absolutely no idea that there was a Holocaust Memorial Day. And I.O., you told me there are actually two days. Well, I, I did a little research. It turns out that there are some countries. So I knew of two different days because in Israel, uh, they Israel started their Holocaust Day back in the 1950s, mm-hmm. very soon after, after the war ended. Um, and that's the one. I don't know if you've seen images, but. They they blast the air raid sirens in the middle of the day, and then everyone stop parks their stop parks their car in the middle of the street and stands up and during the, the time of the siren. Wow, you're not you're not familiar with that. Uh, I had no idea. So that that day is uh, it's like in May, uh, and it's the day that they chose had to do with the uh, Warsaw Ghetto uprising. The, the you know the Jewish Warsaw ghetto before the the, the Nazis liquidated uh, the, the, the ghetto. Um, now the International Holocaust Memorial Remembrance Day, which was this this week, is relatively new. I say relatively new. It's tw- actually twenty years old at this point. But um, only in the two thousands did the UN decide to choose that day and make that the Holocaust uh, hmm. uh, Memorial Day, and that's. That's uh, the day that the the Soviet Red Army liberated Auschwitz. Um, that's the day for that. And then it, I, I did some research uh, yesterday, and it turns out that other countries have their own national uh, Holocaust days, uh, um, like in the Baltics, in in uh, in Lithuania. It's the day that the Nazis burned down uh, the Great Synagogue in Vilnius. Uh, so they have a day there. That's their day. Um, in Slovakia, it's the day that some uh, a racist law was a race law was passed, uh, similar to the German Nuremberg laws. Um, so it turns out that there are more than two. That different countries 
have their own days. France has the day, their day is when the French Jews were deported to uh, the, the extermination camps. So, um, so every, you know, it's more than two because there were more than two events that, that had happened and there were yeah. more than two countries. But uh, yeah, the international one that was agreed upon by the UN, uh, 2005, something like that. And uh, frankly, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that the UN agreed to do the, to such a thing, but uh, I think it's a good thing. It is a good thing. I got one final question for the both of you guys. What can we do as Americans to make sure the history of the Jewish people and Jewish people in America is never forgotten? I.L., I'm going to let you start. Stephen, I'm going to let you finish. I mean, uh, just be curious, read about it, watch TV shows. I mean, like the, the, the Ken Burns um, series. Uh, just learn and talk to your friends and your kids and your family. and and uh, For those people who, who aren't, don't live near uh, a highly populated Jewish community, we recommend reading books. The Ken Burns documentary. I'm going to watch that. That that's going to be on my list to finish before February because that's, his, you know, me being a history major and that's my part of American history that I, that I'm really really fascinated with from World War II all the way through the Civil Rights Movement. That's that's like that's my jam. Uh, so I'm definitely going to watch that. But definitely for for people that don't, if you have Jewish friends, talk to them. Talk to them, uh, Stephen. Yeah, you, you guys, you guys said it. I mean, it's just talk about it, learn about it. And even if you're not into history, you know, I'm a history buff myself, but I, you know, I know people that their eyes just glaze over when they learn about history, no, no matter what it is. But I mean, there are so many movies, you know, no matter how dramatic they are, um, that, lead into the topic i mean my wife and i we just finished watching the second season of hunters um on hulu what does i think it's hulu but uh it's about a group a, a band of jewish people that are hunting nazis that are on the run um you know in the in the aftermath of world war ii it takes place in the 70s and it's highly fictionalized highly dramatic but the point is there are ways to learn about it. It does bring in some type of factual uh, arguments. It does tell the stories of Holocaust survivors. So if that's something that interests you, learn about things that way. And maybe that'll plant the seed. Maybe that'll you know light a spark to get you to, to make you ask a question to – you know, to maybe say, oh, you know, I know I'm watching a, a, a movie, but – is is what they said true? Mm-hmm. Learn well, about there's, it. There's a there's a graphic novel uh, called Mouse, M A U S. It's in two volumes. Uh, Mouse one, Mouse two. Um, the guy who wrote his name is Art Spiegelman, and uh, so the title of the book is Mouse. My father bleeds history, and it's about his father's experiences in Poland during during the holocaust uh including in the camps so um it's in the form of a graphic novel but it's it's a historically accurate uh book there you know that's that's one of the stories that it's been assigned to teenagers 
in some high schools, and then there were some high schools in the South now which tried to get it kicked off of the curriculum because they said it was too graphic. Yeah. Um, yep. But uh, that would be, I mean, that that won't really, that'll tell you the, the war years. It, it doesn't really cover 33 to, to 39, you know, when Hitler came to power and the whole buildup to the war. But those, I mean, people who are curious about history, there are other books that can, there's a famous book by uh, a guy named Shirer called The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. He was a, he was a newspaper correspondent in Berlin, stationed in Berlin during that, during the whole rise of the Nazi era. He And so his is a really first person considered to be one of the best books to read about that era. So, All right, guys, thank you again for joining me. I appreciate it. I appreciate the candid conversation, the honesty, the learning. I, I, I learned so much over these last uh, two interviews. Um, and I'm going to continue to learn. I've got a documentary to go watch. I don't know if I'm going to read that book. If, if they got an audio version of that book, uh, you said it was two volumes. I'm, I'm going to assume it's probably about seven. It's a graphic pages. novel. It's a, it's a cartoon. It's, it's okay, so com- it's got pictures. It's like a, it's like a <laughs> comic book. Oh, well, there you now you got me. Now you From got mouse, me. mouse one and two. It's like a comic book, yeah. But guys, thank you again for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you for having Thanks. us, Bruce. These these conversations are important. So thank you for your curiosity and thank you for for wanting to talk about it. You're welcome, and it is very important. And I hope people, I hope you learned. Wow. I to it, I, I'm not speechless because there are correlations between what Jewish people are going through in this country and what black people are going through in this country. Um as far as tropes and stereotypes and the empathy in me can have understanding for what Jewish people are going through, especially in today's climate. What was fascinating about both parts of this interview is just things that I did not know. Right. And I implore people to go outside of their comfort zone and be cordial, friendly acquaintances with people who are different than you, who think differently than you, who come from different backgrounds than you do, because that helps your evolution and your growth as a person. I learned so much from this interview, from both parts of the interview, things that I I just didn't know. And I learned that there are more resources and source material for me to go to, to learn more about what Jewish people have gone through throughout time, right? And also in this country. Um, I'm definitely going to watch that documentary from Ken Burns um, because I applaud Ken Burns and everything that he does from a a documentary standpoint. It's going to be long. It's going to be long. But it's definitely going to be interesting. I hope that people gained a a new perspective, a new understanding of Jewish people uh, in this country. And maybe we can learn to not 
lean into some of these tropes. Hopefully you learned what is offensive to Jewish people. And hey, hopefully you learned how not to be a jackass. (laughs) You know, like my sister always says, don't we all want to be better people, right? So if it offends somebody, we don't really have to say it or do it. And also very, very important, learn your history. Learn real history. If a television show or a movie is a fictionalized presentation of events, look up on it and be like, hey, you know what? I want to learn more. This sparked an interest in me. I want to learn more about this. You know what? You can Google as you're watching whatever it is you're watching. I often do that. I often watching something and be like, did this really happen? Come on now. This don't seem like this really happened. Let me Google this. Oh, okay. It wasn't quite like this, but it did go down somewhat like this. Wow. I had no idea. Learning. It's cool, (laughs) y'all. That's that educational nerd in me. But on that note, that will do it for today's episode. Once again, thank you for listening to Unsolicited Perspectives. Thank you again to I.L. Sharon and Stephen Precker. I hope you learned something. Tune in next time because who knows what I'll be bringing to the table. It could be a porn star. It could be a scholar. It could be a professional athlete. Who knows? You just got to stay tuned and make sure that you catch the episodes and promote the episodes. Share it uh, on our social media and uh, on that note, I'll holla. Thank you for listening to Unsolicited Perspectives with Bruce Anthony. Please subscribe, like, comment, share, and donate. Donations help us keep giving you this free content each and every week. Until next time, Audi 5000. Freedom over fame. The cycle stays the same. Freedom, freedom over fame.